Okay, Sarah's jamming off of a song that's talking about vegetables. I've never heard that before. Well, I'll be honest, I hadn't heard it before today either. So, who is that? <laughs> well, who knew that the Beach Boys could sing about more than sun, surfing, and summertime. Apparently, they love their vegetables too. So, I guess that's a natural <laughs> transition from sure. surfing and summertime into vegetables. We are bringing it home with Sarah Poole and Tennille Short today, and spring has arrived. Hallelujah. I know. <laughs> I'm ready for some sunshine and no rain, maybe not as yes, much rain. Less I don't rain. Know. We'll see what happens. I'm just ready to get outside. Yeah, Ooh. I will. I don't know about that. Not an outdoors gal, but I do enjoy driving in the sunshine. There you go. I do a lot of driving. But there's another thing that we have to think about uh, that so many people like to think about when it comes spring, and that's the garden. Yes, it's time to start thinking about your summer garden, not just your flower beds. A lot of people are already preparing those, but it's time to start thinking about and planning for your vegetable garden. Right, and so, you know, we're not the experts on gardening. We're not pretending <laughs> to be. That's exactly right. And I'll just be honest, gardening sounds like it's outside. It's definitely outside. <laughs> um, not an outdoorsy gal unless, right. unless it's the beach. If it's the beach, I'm in. So you could garden at the beach. You if just... we could garden at the beach, <laughs> I am in. Sign me up. I but love it. we're not gardening at the beach today, so we have to bring in an expert on the topic. Yes, we've called a friend in. We did. We have Celeste Scott with us, and Celeste is out of the Madison County Extension Office, which is located in Jackson, Tennessee. Hi, Celeste. Hey, y'all. Thank so glad you. to be here. Yes, thank you for being with us today. And we've got a little junior mini gardener with us as well. Who do we have? This is Miss Ellie Ray Scott. She's my little one-year-old sweetie pie, and she'll be sitting in with us. Maybe she won't uh, disturb us too much. <laughs> now, is she already gardening? Well, you know it. She gets out there with her mama and tries to eat all that dirt up, but I won't let her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think it's great that gardening is something the whole family can be a part of, you know? Little That's ones true. all the way to senior citizens. That's true. And a lot of the people that garden have been gardening since they were young and exactly. they used to do it with their parents and grandparents. So the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, the experts talk about the April 15th planting can begin for your spring gardens. You know, you do your taxes and then we're ready to, you know, I get going. Made that connection. It's the same day. That's how I remember it. So I don't have a lot of experience with gardening. I've done some things through my extension work with school gardens and church gardens, but that date scares me because yes. sometimes it gets cold after April the 15th. Exactly. So that is really just an estimate. No one can say for certain when will be the last frost date, but the way they come up with some of those recommendations are based off of um, the weathered records and the average freeze and frost temperatures for your specific area. So what's really cool is like Jackson, Tennessee, we have a weather station there in Jackson and the temperature is recorded and everything concerning the weather is recorded there every day. And so you can actually go to this chart that gives the averages and see when is your 10% frost date, when is your 50%, when oh, is your okay. 90%. So essentially, when people are saying that 15% frost date, what that is meaning is there's going to be about a 50% chance that you won't get any more uh, freeze or frost after that particular time. 
So um, if I plan April the 15th, there's still 50% chance, chance exactly. that right. I'll get frost. Right. <laughs> well, see, I didn't know that. I thought they were saying after April 15th, you were good. And I'm thinking, I'm not good after April 15th. Uh, they're, still just, gets frost. they're just trying to be optimistic. And, you know, a lot of a lot of the crops that people might be putting in the ground then would probably be okay because they wouldn't have germinated. You know, it takes right, two to right. sometimes three weeks for some seeds to germinate. So what they're hoping or betting on is that that seed will still be in the ground if any freeze or frost occurs okay. above ground. And then, for example, like when your bean finally sprouts above the ground, it's past, you know, the, the danger zone. Okay. Um, but for certainly, you would not want to plant uh, warm season crops uh, transplanted like tomatoes or peppers or... Um, cucumber or squash plants that are already growing, you know, that you would buy at a garden right. center. You definitely wouldn't want to go and set those out unless you had some way to protect them in case a freeze or frost was, you know, predicted in your forecast. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It does. I understand that date a lot better now. Yeah. So if people ask you that, do you give them a recommendation or do you just... I just tell them that this is the roundabout okay. time and that there can't be a yes or no answer. Sure. Essentially, just what I'll tell y'all in, in fewer words. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's cool. Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned a lot of the things that I feel comfortable with as a non-gardener. Uh, tomatoes and peppers, maybe, you know, a cucumber or something. What are some things to get us outside the box? Because I think those are the go-to things that most of us plant that we feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. What are some things that I might try if I want to be a little more adventurous? Right. Well, it's strange that you say that because that that is, those are some of the most common, you know, come to your mind, I want to try to do gardening. But those three are some of the hardest plants to care for and to actually grow, especially oh. if you're a beginner gardener. There's lots of uh, disease and insect issues related with tomatoes and peppers especially. And, and so it's, not humorous, I don't want to laugh, you know, but it's it's strange that those are the plants that would first come to mind, you sure. know, especially for a lot of beginners. Because I think I'm being safe if right. I go that route. Because right. right. everybody has, everybody tomato has tomatoes and yeah. peppers. Well, how often do you actually have a very successful crop, like after you've planted those? I mean, you get excited yeah. if you get six right. or True. 12. Exactly, <laughs> right. So, what I would say, especially for beginners, is let's just start out simple. I usually recommend that people start with crops that can be direct seeded into the ground. It means you don't have to spend a bunch of extra money on transplants. Uh, If you go to the store, you know, to buy tomatoes, peppers, or whatever the plant, the transplant is, they're going to cost, you know, 10 times as much as one seed of that plant would have cost. That's true. And so for beginners, I feel like it's if they do fail on the front end, uh, there's not as much tied up in it, and they don't feel as discouraged. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. A strange weather event happens in a free, you know, or mm-hmm. freeze, or lots of rain, or something like that, um, and they just aren't successful. They're not quite as let down. So I like to recommend things that can be started easily in the ground from seed: beans, peas. Um, you can start any of the cucurbits. That would be like cucumbers and squash and zucchinis. Those all grow great from seed that are just planted directly into the ground. Um, and those are all warm season crops. So okay. that would be your, you know, your summer garden. We've kind of skipped over 
the options that you could plant now to have that spring garden. Uh, we could always come back to that if we wanted, but it seems like right now we're kind of focusing yeah, on the summer. plants that you could do so that you'd have a summer crop harvest. Now you touched on insects. Now is that, for those of us who don't know a lot, you know, what role do like insects and birds and <laughs> I mean, those that live in rural areas, maybe even deer, yeah. you know, how do you protect your we had a gardens. problem with deer one year when we had a garden. You know, we live in the country, mm -hmm. and we had a problem with some deer coming deer. out and eating. Well, I've, I personally have never had issues with deer, but I know that it's, you know, a yeah. problem, especially if you live in a wooded area or right, south, right outside of an urban area. Um, the deer, because the deer are being pushed, you know, to those right. regions, and so there could be a lot more issues. Um, it's hard to keep the deer fenced out, but it's the best option that I know of would be um, electric fencing done at uh, at least two different heights. Deer see differently than we do and so if one of those lines could be um, offset from the other like a little okay. farther out in front of the other it kind of tricks their eye and makes them more cautious to go in that direction and obviously they can jump very high so sometimes even electric fences aren't going to stop them sure. if they want to get over it um, what about insects because I think that's a problem no matter where you go yeah. <laughs> yeah no matter where you well if you're in the south it can be quite a bit worse than if you were a little further north than us so let's say, you know, areas like Indiana, even Kentucky, they just have less insect pressure because they don't have the, the humidity and the length of the growing season that we do. And it gets worse the further south that you go. So let's imagine people in Mississippi, Alabama, um, it could be uh, even more of an issue. Now there's not a lot of things that we can do to, you know, prevent them from coming sure. <laughs> right. they're, right. they're just here they're part right? of the cycle part of life of our ecosystem <laughs> yes. you know they're here but it's it's good to be vigilant and just keep an eye out and if you see uh, an issue starting to rise like the infestation of of aphids um then you've got to act quickly to get that under control don't just let it continue um because it could uh be detrimental to your crop. I mean, it, you know, in a week of a heavy infestation of whatever insect that is, it could um, either defoliate the plant or suck all the life juices out of it. Some insects are sucking and not actually um, leaf-eating insects. And so they have a lot of different situations going on. But one thing that you can do as far as a preventative method would be for our early spring crops we kind of like I said we mm -hmm. skipped over those so that would be um, any kind of leafy greens you know your spinaches your lettuces all those uh, types of green crops that can be seeded now or even earlier if your ground was able to be ready those um, can be covered with like floating row crop covers um, or frost cloths and that can keep out some oh, okay. of the bad insects. And the reason you can do that with those is because they don't require pollination by any particular insect. We're eating the leaves, and it doesn't require you know, pollination to produce right. leaves. It, pollination is required to produce fruit. Does that make sense? Yes, mm -hmm. it does. So you couldn't cover up, say, squash and zucchini and things like that because that requires pollination because we eat the fruit. Right. But for any of these other crops, um, it would make more sense maybe to use those row covers. Well, I'm thinking, like, Tennille, you're not really a gardener, but let's say Charles or your son is like, hey, I want to start a little garden at home. Like, what 
like before we wrap up here, what are like the easiest things that you would recommend if somebody just wants to have first time gardener, just a small backyard, maybe no backyard. What are some easy things that you could tell us to do real like quick? Like where? Where would yeah. I put it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's really important. <laughs> so we need to think about light. Most of your warm season crops are going to require at least six hours of full sun. That'd be direct sunlight. Okay. Those cooler season crops, the spinaches, lettuces, all that. Um, can take a little less light, so you're looking at maybe four hours of sunlight. So if you have a shady corner in the garden that you can't use for much, that might be a good option. Um, also, your proximity to water. You know, these oh, crops are going to need to be watered. The good Lord sends us rain, but sometimes it's right. still need water. <laughs> yeah, we have droughts. Um, and so we need water. Season. And then the third thing that I think might be the most important that I always tell people is what are you using it for? So if you're hoping to be using whatever you're growing your garden routine on a daily basis, like run outside, get a tomato to put in the mm -hmm. salad, if it's 200 yards away, you're less likely to run out there and grab that, right? So well, that's incorporating is, physical activity with well, <laughs> Killing point. two birds with one stone. Yeah, that's a good point. But <laughs> if we think about it realistically, the closer it is, the more likely likely we are to just run out there and yeah. grab a handful of Because the chips are on the in. shelf. We don't have right. to go outside. Right. So if you wanted to put... Uh, you know, have some pots on your back porch. Yes, exactly. You could easily do that instead of, or if you're limited on space. Right, L limited on space, that'd be a great option. Containers, pots. Mm -hmm. Just make sure, though, that um, if you're trying to grow some of those warm season crops, they have a lot uh, deeper root systems, like the tomatoes and peppers, so you need big pots. Okay. You can't grow those okay. in little, small, shallow pots. So you would need uh, big pots and, of course, sunlight. You still need the sun. So access to water is important, sunlight, and definitely know the size of container that you're going to need. Yes. So I think if you have any questions after listening to this, which you may. Yes. Um, How do yeah, people what, reach you? Great. So they can call me at, um, in my office. The number is 731-668-8543. They can shoot me an email. My address is cscott 52 at utk.edu. Um, they can also call any, if they're not in Madison County, they oh, can right. call the County of Residence, their extension oh, office. Oh, definitely. For yes, sure. certainly. And but, extension office. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And get some help there. Mm -hmm. so. Yes. Great information. Yes. We thank you so much for stopping by for this episode. Thank you, Celeste. No problem. And we thank you, our loyal listeners. Yes. And we're going to end this, as we always do, with a quote from Bob Marley. And we want to remind you to live the life you love. And love the life you live. Until next time. Bye-bye.